Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the podcast. If you love and support the work that we do, head to www.sexedwithdb.com and buy some of our hot new merch. Follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast. And if you want to advertise with us, shoot us an email at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. This week's episode features Nina Kossoff, the creator of Them's Health. Them's Health was born to promote health and wellness information beyond the traditional men's and women's binary. After identifying bodily health, mental health, sexuality, fitness, nutrition, and identity as key areas to focus on, Them's Health has become an Instagram-centric resource of suggestions, advice, methods, affirmations, ways of thinking, practices, and broad information for non-binary and trans folks to see themselves in. You can find the project on Instagram, at Them's Health, T-H-E-M-S-H-E-A-L-T-H. Here I am with Nina. Sex Ed with DB is supported by Isle. Isle is a collection of high-performance, reusable period care products centered on body positivity, ethical business, and sustainability. Isle, previously known as Lunapads, has an entire line of reusable pads, cups, and period underwear that's made from sustainable, technical, and safe absorbent materials. Find out more at www.periodisle.com and use promo code SEXEDDB to get 20% off your first purchase. Follow them on Instagram, at period aisle. Clonawilly and Clonapussy kits allow you to make the most personalized sex toys on the planet. Clonawilly is the original DIY dildo kit, and Clonapussy is the original DIY pocket pussy. They're fun to make, sex positive, and completely body safe. Use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase at www.clonawilly.com. Follow them on IG, at clonawillykit. Sex Ed with DB is supported by Sweet Vibrations. Based in sunny San Diego, Sweet Vibrations is an adult boutique that delivers innovative lifestyle products and embraces the taboo of sexual wellness instead of hiding it. They have five incredible buzzing beauties that won't break the bank. Check them out at www.sweetvibe.toys and use promo code SEXWITHDB to get 15% off your first purchase. Follow them on Instagram, at Sweet Vibrations. Hello, Nina. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, nice to be here. I'm so glad to have you. What what an insane wild ride it has been. It has been a very, very strange time. <laughs> well, I'm really glad to have you on to talk all about you um, and non-binary healthcare, essentially. Um, yeah. Let's get us started by you sharing with the listeners your name, uh, your pronouns, and your job title. Um, my name is Nina Kossoff, and I'm the creator of Them's Health. Um, I use the pronouns she, her, and they, and them. Amazing. Um, and for our listeners who may not be familiar, um, as we already kind of mentioned, this episode is a lot about non-binary, uh, healthcare and what that looks like. Um, what does it mean to be non-binary or to perhaps, as you said, use, uh, an array of pronouns in your case of she, her, they, them? To me, non-binary is, it's a lot of things, right? It's a lot of things to different people and different experiences, but 
I guess at the at its most simple form, it's an identity that falls outside of the common man woman binary and those being genders that are assigned to people at birth. Um, there are a lot of different ways to be outside of that, right? Like people are becoming more and more familiar with transgender, um, and understanding that in the binary context, if, um, someone is a a woman or someone is a man of trans experience that they are that now. And that has kind of a perception of where, what they may have been assigned before, but what non-binary means to me is kind of anything, anything outside of that. And, um, people, people choose to, people have that experience in different ways, right? So there are people who are non-binary and they just are however they are in that way. And there are non-binary people who seek out surgery and non-binary people who seek out, um, hormone therapy. And it's a lot of different ways just to challenge this perception that there are only two, right? That there are only man or woman. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That was an, a very good extensive definition. Trying. Um, that was awesome. Um, so what is Them's Health um, and how did you come to create it? What was your kind of like origin story? Um, I mean, the simplest, the simplest version is that I have a friend who I went to college with um, and I was just on Instagram one day and she, her video or something came up and she was shooting something for men's health and women's health, like a video for those two. Um, and I was getting dinner with my partner and we were like, there should be a them's health. If there's men's health and women's health, there should be them's health. And we were kind of just joking about it. And I was like, surely that Instagram handle is taken. Surely that website is taken. Surely all of it. And I checked and they were all there. And so I just, I know. And I, I just registered them and decided I would figure it out um, as I went. Um, and I mean, it's sort of, it's funny, like even just a year ago, we, we made vision boards and very cute. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to take like a full detour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we made vision boards and I was kind of like eye rolly about it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, when my partner was like, let's make vision boards. And I was like, sure, we'll make vision boards. <laughs> and I made one and it was very visual. It was very, um, minimal language on it. And I just remember having like, there was like one abstract face. There were like gummy bears. There was like a yoga mat. I don't know. And it just said like active snack body and like challenging norms, like all of this stuff that was pointing active snack body. That is great. It's 100% what I'm identifying as right now. (laughs) I am in an active snack body. Um, and yeah, and so I like had this thing and it was creating this picture of like, how do we recalibrate what health and wellness looks like, what gender looks like, what my ambitions look like. And I, I vision boarded, I guess I did it. And then a month later I had this account and I was feeling really excited about it. And I just started, um, posting stuff from it. And I mean, I, my background is in like brand strategy and marketing and advertising. And so at least for me, I had these different steps in my head as to like, okay, so I have a brand and I have a loose idea and I have a loose mission and how we, how we challenge the gender binary in health and wellness. Um, and I was able to sort of construct it from, from there. And, and I guess the other part of it is that I, in the queer community, especially there's, there is, or there should be more, uh, just focus on 
who owns different narratives and how we create communal narratives. Cause I think across history, there's so much like, uh, there's a lot of whitewashing throughout history. There's a lot mm-hmm. of cisgender washing throughout history there. I, I don't even know if that's a term, but in my mind it is. It um, totally is. And, and so I didn't want it to be just me telling all of the stories or all the information or curating. So there's a lot of, um, reposting that goes along. There's a lot of kind of taking a, a spin on articles or news or research as it comes out and sort of trying to simply state what that means in terms of the community. And then the part that excites me the most and that I've had a lot of positive response to, and I have a lot of heart for, but becomes its own, uh, interesting thing to manage in this world where people don't meet in person on the internet sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I have all these people who are called them professionals and they're just, uh, non-binary professionals who uh, answer questions for the community. So it's a really nice way to both have other voices and create space for other voices and trying to constantly say, it's not, it's not just me here saying this is what it is. And, um, and so I have all these folks who will answer these anonymous questions and it's been really beautiful. And the, the types of questions that come in um, under just like this, perceived trust in the trust that I'm trying to demonstrate with the account. Um, people, people get pretty open, I guess, in the questions to, to whoever's able to answer. And I think that what that really points to is the like massively glaring gaps in the systems as they exist. Right. If you're Mm -hmm. like, Oh wow. Like I can finally ask this question to a stranger on the internet who has, who is a professional that's, Like, if that's your form of access, our system is so broken. (laughs) Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, all the, like, better for your them-fessionals to be able to, like, gain access to those folks who are seeking answers. Like, that's so fantastic that you have been able to kind of be, uh, you know, an intermediary and a platform to be able to provide that. So that's amazing. Um, can you share like the mission? What what would you say the mission is of Them's Health in terms of like what you're what you're seeking to re- like what your goal really is with it? For the most part, I think it's just to challenge the gender binary and in how it pervades everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I I know that that's kind of a a bigger <laughs> a bigger thing, but it's it's ultimately to find a way to look for well-being outside of the binary. And there are two parts to that and how I think like how I'm sort of still framing like what the concise mission is and how to state it as I like build this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm seeing in, in the types of people following the account, obviously it's majority uh, non-binary and trans identified people. But one of the most interesting parts to me has been the number of cisgender people and allies who, who have this little like light bulb that goes on as far as like, oh, this, we don't have to think about multivitamins <laughs> in a binary gender way, right? Or we don't have to think that certain types of fitness are for like the woman's wedding body or like mm. whatever it may be. And, and so I think God, that what that's it, the worst also, sorry, yeah. that's just, just horrible. Like I, I hate to like shit on people's like experiences or like expectations but it's that's another part of the broken system exactly really like you know the it's just so 
bad. <laughs> like the fact yeah. that the wedding industry and that like so many of these industries are preying on, you know, the lack of confidence of like young people and young women are yeah. is really horrible. <laughs> and I know that a lot of my friends and who knows what the world will hold for me. Like maybe one day I'll get married, but like, you know, that doesn't mean that we need to be marketed to in this way that is super offensive and really sexist and really does prey on like the insecurities that we have. Yeah. That's my rant. Thank you for coming to my Ted talk. Um, but I anyway, love it. Go on. What were you saying? Um, well, no, just, I think that that's, that's related to it, right? Like, so you have this world that is like doubling down on like what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman. So we're putting pressure on people who already have those identities. And then further from that, we're, we're putting pressure on people just for, we're challenging their existence or we're not even challenging, but denying their existence by, by having such a focus on like the two genders, um, or how, a woman should be on her wedding day. It's, mm -hmm. it's just, it goes on and on. Like, yeah. I'd, so, so all that is to say, like the mission is to just challenge the binary and I guess starting here in this place of health and wellness. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, can you talk a little bit about what kinds of health disparities, uh, non-binary people experience? You kind of like went over this a little bit in terms of there not being, you know, um, recognition of non-binary folks in media and, and kind of in products and things like that, but any other kinds of things that really motivated you to kind of center um, non-binary people in your work? Yeah, I mean, part of it is just, just personally. Um, I think that from at the front of it, a lot of why I got into this was because of fitness, I guess. Um, and so being in a trans non-binary space is something that, that can be kind of hard to come by. And as a non-binary queer person, finding spaces that felt comfortable to practice yoga or do any kind of workout, it's it can feel daunting to go into spaces like that. And so I started going to a queer yoga class like mm. five years ago or so. And, and that, I think, was like a long slow burn beginning as to like what felt like what felt special about that experience and why I felt able to um practice in my body in a different way there and then that happening alongside at least in my own personal experience like like doctor's offices are challenging mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of people just in finding competent care and that's even if you're just starting with like gender finding care that is inclusive, inclusive of trans people is hard enough. Adding in a layer of, um, non-binary identities. And so not having that same language of like from one to another that doctors may have, like you're already like breaking their entire medical school experience. And then like on top of all of that, I think what's really, what makes it even more complex to think about gender and identity is all of the other layers of, um, all the other layers of identity that sit on top of that. So you have age and you have size and you have race and ethnicity, and you have all of these other things in addition to gender that make operating in this world just challenging mm -hmm. <laughs> given the state of things. And so, I mean, in, in the health in health and wellness healthcare space, um, in like the pure, medical side, it's, 
Um, it's finding doctors who even know about the trans or non-binary experiences or needs um, and ensuring that you can provide proper care there. And then in like the fitness space, it's providing like competent care and recognition of um, whether it's trauma-informed spaces or, um, I don't know, just queer competent, not like just that knowledge and the right. types of language that you're using that you're not saying, all right, ladies, let's do something. Mm-hmm. Um, or just anywhere beyond that into mental health care. Um, and again, finding providers who are trained or who know how to have you know, supportive conversations. And so that, that the client is not just explaining their experience to someone and educating them, but that they're able to have, they're able to actually work on themselves. So it's, it's a lot of education barriers, I think. So it's less, it's more on the, the side of individuals being able to get competent care classes or practices. And a lot of that education before for, for, for those providers just doesn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was too rambling. No, that was great. Anything you say is correct because <laughs> this is all about like experiences and thoughts and opinions on these kinds of things. Um, so that was great. Um, I'm also wondering because first of all, I, I want to make it clear that like this next ask is not your job and is not the job <laughs> of like other non-binary folks, but Um, if you would be so kind, if you think, um, that this is important as I do, um, for those of us who do have non-binary friends, loved ones in our lives, um, and are kind of struggling either with the concept of like non-binary, uh, ness or, you know, pronouns of they, them, um, and we, you know, try to explain to like other people to remember to use pronouns and things like that, um, you know, this... In my own life, I definitely have friends who are non-binary and use they, them pronouns. And Mm -hmm. um, it is, I find, challenging not only to express that uh, reminder to older folks in my life, but to young ones, too, who kind of don't really grasp this idea, who do grasp the idea maybe of like, oh, someone who's transgender feels like they were born in the wrong body in some cases. um, And that is clear to me. Whereas Mm -hmm. I feel like, as you said in the beginning of the episode, folks who identify as non-binary, there's, and same with with trans folks and other genders, but I think there's a lot more ambiguity. And I Mm -hmm. think that the lay person has trouble not putting people in boxes since that's kind of what we're told to do. But if you could have kind of like a checklist of things that you kind of recommend for folks to like remind their loved ones or like any, anything um, that's helpful in that way for me and for any other listeners who feel like, yes, God, I've told my uncle like 17 times that my pronouns are they, them. And like, obviously each person is super different and everyone's going to have different experiences and stories. But I guess just in your experience of having this platform and identifying as non-binary, um, what do you think of all of that? I think that like the simplest version I have that I wish was the answer and that I wish people could just like take and hold on to is just that you don't have to understand someone's experience in order to respect it Mm -hmm. and treat them with dignity. And, and that sits across gender, race, size, all, 
all types of different ways of being and existences there it all of it it feels like would be so simple if people were like oh gee that's like not an experience of mine but i guess that person should be happy mm-hmm. and respected and valued and cared for and and it's not so i don't know i guess that's sort of the first place is just right. reminding people that like others deserve dignity and respect and that's like it shouldn't be difficult Mm -hmm. um and I think that one of the I I think it was Monroe Bergdorf tweeted it recently um or not recently or just like showed up again for me but um she was like I'm gonna not engage with people if they're debating my existence Mm -hmm. and you don't deserve my respect or time if you're just trying to get me this obviously I'm (laughs) not quoting it verbatim um but the just the the idea that we how much time is spent negotiating or debating whether or not non-binary people are real Mm -hmm. should be proof in itself that like these identities deserve more respect than they do. We're, we're still, we're still at this place of like, do you even exist? And I'm like, yes, I'm literally right here. (laughs) Um, Can you not see me? Yeah. And so I think as far as like making it clear to others, I think there are different ways to like baby step older people into the directions, but for the most part, and I know that this is just by virtue of living in New York and having this little bubble that I'm in, the more that I'm just like, yeah, that person's pronouns are this and it's going to be challenging and you're going to fuck up. But that's, that's just what they are. And people are like, Oh, okay. And then they like grapple with it and then go about their lives. But I think if we like hold on to that core of just that people deserve respect for their identities, that's what I hope and believe can be the future. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, which brings us to our next point, just about like how much kind of press, I guess, um, non-binary folks who are famous have kind of gotten recently. So like Sam Smith and Jonathan Van Ness and like a couple other folks. Um, and of course, you know, these aren't the first people to come out as non-binary. There have been non-binary <laughs> people since the beginning of time. Um, but um, I think that Famous people like Sam Smith and Jonathan Van Ness um, coming out has, you know, done for better or worse something to the the non-binary community. Um, mm-hmm. Any like thoughts on kind of what the positives and negatives um, could be for for famous people kind of um, sharing with the world their um, their newfound kind of identity? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's so weird and interesting and complicating like when you add in layers of fame sorry my dog is barking in the back you're totally okay, okay. um <laughs> um when you add in the layers of fame and what famous people owe others about their identity it becomes really strange right and i think that that's sort of it is like the the double-edged sword is that we have more visibility to the fact that it's an issue Um, or an identity exists. And I think that there's a lot to be grateful for in that. Um, And just showing people that like, hey, someone that you loved before, knowing anything else really about their gender, you can still love now with Mm -hmm. this gender. And I think there's a lot of positive there. I think that the potential negative comes in in like that need to over-explain or state what an identity is or um, have this like 
monumental coming out moment that I think translates into like a lot of LGBT people's, um, coming out experiences, like making that grand statement or whatever, or like having to be visible, having to say that like, that was me and this is me now, like anything in the before after Mm -hmm. realm of how people exist is, is and can be challenging for the community. I think, um, because I guess at the core of it, like I don't think that anyone owes other people an explanation of, of who they are. Right. Mm -hmm. If we can meet people at a place of respect, but I guess, so the part, the part a is, I think it's good. I think having celebrities, um, or known figures who are non-binary just begins to establish like, this is an identity and this exists and you, you can't deny this person exists because you've known them and known about them. Um, I think just, getting into the types of people who, who are famous or who we lift up. That's its own universe of like who gets to be famous, I guess. But, um, I, I think that going that next step of like, okay, and now I can just respect other people and now I can, uh, maybe seek out or respect others who aren't white or who aren't skinny or who aren't like this type of talented thing that all, celebrities have which is amazing but like some people are just people (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes totally and I don't know if you also if you watch the show Kim's Convenience have you ever seen that show on Netflix oh I have not it's very very funny um it is about a Korean Canadian family who owns a convenience store and it's kind of like modern family-esque humor of like family humor but it's funny and silly and the episodes are short I highly recommend it um and they just released their fourth season and in the first episode of the fourth season um right out the gate they um do a scene uh centering a person who comes in their convenience store who is non-binary um Mm -hmm. and they kind of do the entire scene and it's they kind of make it funny because Mr. Kim is a, you know, is an immigrant who kind of, like, doesn't really understand, but is, like, nonetheless, like, very caring and sweet and, like, is trying to understand. And um, it was such, like, a wonderful opening scene for the first, you know, for the fourth season. And um, really when I see scenes like that, I really just think about, wow, like, how many people are watching this right now? How many people are, like, learning about people with non-binary identities for the first time? Like, what kinds of conversations are parents having with their kids who are watching this? Like, um, I think celebrities and the media and, like, you know, movies and TV have such a powerful um, ability to change people's minds and to really educate them. Um, And I just really, I highly recommend the scene from this show because it's very funny and very silly um, and um, has a lot of, like, lightheartedness while also kind of getting at the meat of it, which is that, like, non-binary people are people and they, like you have said, deserve respect and dignity um, just like everybody else. Yeah, I love that. Now I have three seasons to catch up on while I'm in court in our stay home. (laughs) You do. It's very, very funny. Um, highly recommend Kim's convenience. I'm not affiliated with them in any way. Um, (laughs) uh, okay. So to our next question, um, what are some resources for non-binary folks seeking community and support? Of course, them's health, um, on Instagram, um, and kind of what have you, I guess, learned about the community, um, of non-binary folks on the internet that, um, you would point to certain folks for resources and connection? As far as other people to check out and follow, 
Um, a lot of the content on this page, and sort of purposefully so, is reposted from other accounts. Um, because again, like it could be just me speaking from my one perspective um, about what I think is important to trans and non-binary health. But what I've been trying to do more of is bringing in other voices um, to follow. So it's almost like a quick scroll through through the page can give you a sense of uh, others to follow. There's um, an organization called uh, Trans Needles who are making sure that folks are getting uh, the types of needles and care that they need just for injecting their hormones. Um, there's another account called Access Centered Movement um, that looks at a lot of intersectional and trauma-informed movement um, and related to the movement spaces. There are the Professionals Decolonizing Fitness um, and Non-Normative Body Club who've been doing a lot of this work. Um, on the internet way longer than I have. Um, there are folks like the, the Queer Counselor and Somatic Witch, both of, um, both of whom are themfessionals on our account as well. But again, they've been building a lot from their backgrounds as um, therapists and mental health service providers. Um, so they are an excellent source to sort of bring in like the, the have the mental health lens on it. Um, yeah, I mean, those are just a few. I, I genuinely believe that through the through the reposting and like intense tagging and crediting and as I'm trying to do as much as I can to bring in other voices and find new ways to source information and materials um I don't know like I I feel weird saying it but like if you just scroll through themselves there there are a lot of different places that you can go from here not weird at all that's great great <laughs> um that's amazing and yeah like you said if you're doing like a ton of reposting and really the the page is more of like a collection of some of your voice and some of, or a lot of other people's voices. Um, that makes a lot of sense. So definitely, definitely want to make sure, um, people follow you. Um, do you want to share where people can find you online? Yeah, for the most part, it's just them's health on Instagram. Easy, easy does it. Very easy. Um, incredible. Um, is there anything else that you want to cover that you feel like we haven't really covered yet or, Maybe anything regarding, like, you know, obviously when this episode comes out, we're going to kind of be a little bit, um, hopefully, past <laughs> coronavirus stuff. But as we've heard from, you know, unfortunately the news and from economists, um, the effects of this devastating global pandemic will most certainly, um, you know, go on for potentially years to come. Yeah. Um, so any kind of thoughts on how, um, coronavirus specifically negatively impacts non-binary folks? I mean, I think it's back to the beginning of our conversation just in terms of access to healthcare, mm. um, and safety and accessing healthcare and, um, income disparity that is faced by the community, especially uh, from, uh, black and brown trans folks and non-binary folks. Um, it's really just accessing the care and services needed in a safe way um, when it comes to anything, right? So it's not just in in finding treatment for um, any, any gender affirming needs from providers, but just basic doctor's visits uh, don't feel safe for a lot of folks. So when it comes to something like the emergency room, I know I've 
bits and pieces. Like people have anxiety about if the, in case they had to go to the emergency room or if they have to go see an urgent care provider, is their gender going to be respected? Is their identity going to be understood? Are they going to face someone who doesn't think that they exist <laughs> as a gender or as someone? And you have this like massive mental block when it comes to just accessing care. And then you add on to that the layer of um, for folks who have economic, who are under any kind of economic insecurity, just to access like the time off work or being forced out of work because of the pandemic and being able to pay for food or medicine or anything like that. Those are just amplified in a community as diverse and complex as the LGBTQ community and as, and as trans and non-binary people. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for um, really delving into that. There are so many kind of components to how yeah. folks are going to be impacted. So that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that's like kind of it. I guess like the, cool. the last thing I want to ask is like um, for folks who are listening who are potentially thinking like, hey, maybe I'm non-binary. I'm not really sure. Um, what kinds of uh, loving, supportive um, messages do you have for those folks? If you think you're non-binary, then you should explore that. And if you think that you're non-binary and then change your mind later, you should explore that. And I think that's what's super interesting and fun about gender. And we, there are so many labels out there. And I think that labels are massively important to a lot of people and are important in like seeing yourself in. But ultimately, I like to see them more as like guideposts <laughs> in terms of just so many ways of being outside of the two things that have been handed to us <laughs> over the course of history. That if you get these two, you see these two like male, female boxes, you don't, you don't have to choose either of them and explore that however you want. How do you like our new podcast logo and banner? Andrea Forgotch is the queer, fat, feminist artist behind this incredible artwork. We're absolutely loving the abstract sexual goodness that she brings in all of her beautiful illustrations. So, whenever you need some art that is unapologetically there for you, go visit andreaforgotch.com. That's Andrea, F-O-R-G-A-C-S.com to commission your own piece or download one of her illustrations in the shop. Creating a homemade dildo or a usable copy of your own penis is rapidly turning into the new standard in ultra-custom sex toys, thanks to Clonawilly. Clonawilly has been all about dick since 96 and brings you a DIY penis or vulva molding kit for your favorite sex toy or memento. Whether it be for a birthday, Hanukkah, or just because, Clonawilly is the perfect gift. Use promo code SEXED20 for 20% off your purchase at www.clonawilly.com. Ever wish your period products were more eco-friendly? Tired of buying a $10 box of tampons every single month? Meet the OGs of sustainable menstruation, Isle. In business since 1993, their collection of smart reusables is easy on the planet and good for your body. Check out their amazing undies, reusable pads, and cups at www.periodisle.com and use promo code SEXEDDB to get 20% off your first purchase. Follow them on IG at period aisle.
Our creator, co-producer, sound engineer, and host is me, Danielle Bezalel, aka DB. Our co-producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our main logo and banner graphic were created by Andrea Forgotch. Our social media intern is Leslie Lopez. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Our ad music is by my stepdad, Bill Gant. Thank you so much to our featured guests, partners, and our listeners. If you're interested in advertising with us, email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Insta at sexedwithdbpodcast. Tune in next time.